Entertainment's podcast from Bottomline Technologies. For many businesses across the UK, cash flow management has never been so important. It's allowed them to understand their cash position in a very tough year. But in this year's 2021 Business Payments Barometer, where we survey 800 financial decision makers, almost half have shown that they struggle with forecasting. Hi, I'm Kate Ayres, host of today's Payments Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Richard Ransom, Strategic Customer Success Manager, and Tracy Kantrovitz, VP of Marketing for Treasury. We're here to discuss why businesses are prioritising receiving money more than ever before, and if their processes are up to challenge of managing it. Hi, Richard, Tracy. Hello, Kate. I briefly mentioned in the introduction that businesses are prioritising receiving money more than ever before. With this in mind, and the tough year businesses have faced, does it surprise you that in light of COVID-19, 64% of businesses said they're willing to renegotiate payment terms in order to manage cash flow better? This isn't a surprise to me at all. I believe that a major driver um, is, is stemming from a business continuity perspective and companies really needing to understand what their financial endurance or stamina is, particularly through times of crisis. Um, at the start of the at the start of the crisis, everyone was really looking at their liquidity plans and reforecasting basically on a on a daily day. And receivables is is very key to that. So I'm not surprised um, that businesses were really looking at um, their payment terms. It was very important, as you said, you know, to understand what money was coming in. Um, particularly that receivables are are a major source of liquidity. Um, and as I mentioned, with forecasts being revised daily, I think that companies really just wanted to have a little bit more predictability um, in terms of when they would receive their cash, when they would receive payments in from, from their customers. And, you know, as we know, COVID put, you know, a lot of pressure on a lot of businesses and, you know, the customers were struggling. So I think it was more important to these enterprises to take a look at the terms um, that they put out for their customers Customers, renegotiate them and make them a little bit more realistic for their customers in order to ensure that they'd actually get the receivables and, and, and have the payments in. So um, I'd like to say that there was a little goodwill around it, you know, big guy helping the little guy. But really, I think it was a, a strategic move by these enterprises to create a little bit more predictability um, in, their own, um, in their own receivables and in their own cash forecasts. Yeah, so that's interesting. You talk about that um, that need for businesses to to look at those payment terms. I think in the smaller businesses, the the percentage willing to renegotiate drops to about fifty two percent, and I think that's really around giving away predictable cash reserves by extending credit in the current environment is is often a luxury these sort of organisations can't afford. So. They need to be able to work out how much money they have day to day, week to week. And the key issue for them is actually just getting that money through the door, extending payment terms out when often the people they're dealing with pay a bit fast and lose those terms as well is quite difficult. So taking a 30 day payment term out to 45 to 60 could really um, damage their business and cause them problems, which is why I think that number is so low. Interesting you mentioned cash reserves there, as I think this highlights the need for good cash flow forecasting. And this year's payments barometer, for the first time, highlights how businesses are managing their cash flow forecasts. Were you surprised with the results on this? One thing that comes out of this is really positive. At least one in two businesses across the board are using cash flow management software. I think there is a 
there's a much greater need for organisations to to embrace the technologies that will allow them to do this. I think some organisations may feel that they are too small to benefit or that the solutions that are out there are too are too big and unmanageable or won't fit their particular circumstances. Now, there are, there are lots of elements of predicting cash flow, but you can decide how granular you make that. And even just making some slight changes and getting proper tools in can make a huge difference to knowing, you know, where your cash is and and also really importantly where when your cash is as well so knowing when you're going to get paid when to expect money in that's a, a really important part so i think using dedicated tools can massively help in this process and although you know spreadsheets can become and i think we'll talk about that a bit later can be a great tool it is just a spreadsheet it's not a dedicated application written by people who understand the business and needs of of cash flow management. And to to add to what Richard said, I think that um, spreadsheets, they're just known and loved. You know, people personalize them. Organizations of of all sizes use them. And it was interesting to me in the the survey um, that one in four enterprises are still at least partly managing their cash flow forecast. And this is at the enterprise level um, in Excel. I know it sounds terrible, but in another way to look at it, it's that three out of four are off spreadsheets, hopefully. Um, you know, so just looking at the data, you know, there is there is an element of, you know, surprise that, you know, so many are still relying on spreadsheets. But I don't think um, people realize, especially at, from a large enterprise um perspective, how difficult it can be to move off the spreadsheet. Um, you know, as we mentioned, it, they're, they're very personal, they're reliable, they're known, right? And when something is, is known to, to how you work, it's, it's very difficult. So there's a, there's a cultural element, um, even, in, even in the larger organizations. Also, from the larger organization perspective, we have to look at you know, kind of how their how their business um, may be running. Some of these some of these um, larger companies they may be highly acquisitive. They may be geographically decentralized. And when you have those conditions or those situations, um, particularly in the highly acquisitive companies, you wind up. Um, it, it can also it can often be a little bit difficult to standardize technology um, and automation. And that's why a lot of these companies um, may still have spreadsheets in some locations. Um, you know, in, in some business units, um, a lot of times, you know, if again, if it's an acquisitive company, they may have inherited, um, you know, companies that don't that aren't necessarily using um, automation yet. So that's why the the spreadsheets seem to stick around, or maybe the processes and the systems aren't fully integrated. So there is a, you know, there there is kind of a technology strategy um, or a cultural element um, to having that mix and not being fully automated, even though you would think a larger or organization um, is mature. So um, another part of that, you know, we mentioned, we mentioned the, in, the integration element of it. If the systems that they're using are not um, modernized, right, or they're not cooperative, or they're not built to be cooperative and to be able to speak to the different systems within the organization, um, that's when you also wind up doing a lot of work offline into spreadsheets. So I think, um, you know, I think it's, good that um, it's not, you know, four out of four (laughs) still on spreadsheets, um, but there's certainly a lot of work um, 
to be done. Um, and one other thing that I would add to that, you know, with the difficulty of, you know, integrating and coming up with that full standardized technology plan to get the whole organization um, off of spreadsheets, sometimes it's, it's you know, that, that thought of um, a transformation project at that, to that scale can be very, very daunting, um, very time consuming. And of course, it, it, it can be very expensive. So again, sometimes people just tend to go with what they know. Um, and unfortunately, that's spreadsheets. Yeah. And, and although 25% so of larger businesses are still using Excel, which is a great result, for smaller businesses, this goes up to 37%. So that's, a, that's quite a large number. And I think when you are a smaller business, that accuracy around cash position is vital for many reasons. So looking to make short-term investments in stock or resource to drive the business or understand what extra funding may be required to manage immediate or upcoming costs. So having access to dedicated tools is going to is going to help here and it shouldn't be seen as the domain of larger organizations. I think the risks around Excel, as you said, you know, there's um, they are well known within an organization, but it, you know, they tend to be full of macros and equations that maybe one person in the organization has, has built over time now should that person leave the business that can lead to problems and you know it's not it's not a dedicated it's not a dedicated application so there are there are going to be gaps and there are going to be things that that excel can't do because it's it's not set up for that and but you're right getting people off a spreadsheet is difficult but there are tools and it is not a difficult integration exercise to do it especially for a smaller organization which may not have links to, to that many banks it may not have that many systems of records to talk to but but anything you can do to improve that accuracy um, and the timeliness of the data is going to help tracy on that point 43 percent of enterprises have also said they're using automated treasury management systems Yes, I thought that would actually be a little bit higher. I was I was a little bit surprised at that forty three percent number. Um, you know, there certainly are the challenges that I mentioned before in terms of you know take creating a standardized technology culture. But I thought they would be a little bit um, a little further along, and 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 we'd have more people, uh, more companies using a TMS system, and that's because a TMS is is really key to really achieving that accuracy, right? To really being able to achieve that predictability um, and intelligence from a financial perspective in an organization. Um, and that's because the TMS is there to really centralize and be that aggregator of all the data, whether it's um, external data from banks, uh, ERPs, whether it's internal, you know, the, the aggregator, um, and collaborator of, of internal data, um, it's it's really that hub where it all comes together, right? Where people can really see what their positions are, understand, um, you know, what's needed to create that forecast and really create an accurate forecast. It sits across all the platforms that we mentioned, you know, the banks, the ERPs, um, and more importantly, it sits across all the workflows such as payments. Um, and that piece is actually extremely very important. Um, recently, we, we produced a po another podcast here at Bottom Line, and um, I think it was highlighted. Um, it highlighted some very, very eye-opening stats. Um, and one of them was that using a TMS could actually better help businesses prevent fraud and manage risk. 
the research that we discussed um, showed that businesses that actually use a TMS um, say that they have um, maybe see an average loss of 179,000 pounds, uh, whereas those who do not use a TMS can report upwards of 200,000 pounds. And that's nearly a 20% difference. So by automating those processes, um, using the right automation tools, centralizing those controls, companies can really significantly reduce risk. And when you look at the responsibility of an enterprise, some of them are public companies, um, they have shareholders, um, they really have that responsibility um, from a financial governance perspective. So again, I was a little bit surprised um, that that number was what it was, um, because there's really very a lot of value um, from a risk management perspective and an a-, a forecast accuracy perspective. I wanted to briefly mention AI and machine learning programs. Across the board, adoption is pretty low at 21%, which isn't a huge surprise due to the availability across the market. Do you see this as an area for future opportunity for businesses of all sizes? I think this is a huge opportunity, not only for businesses, but also for technology providers as well. Um, according to the, the study, a little over one in five decision makers that we surveyed stated that um, they use treasure, automated treasury management systems and that they include um AI or machine learning, respectively. So I think that's actually a pretty good number um, because there's, I I think right now we're still at kind of early stages of um, education and availability of some of these things, right? I think um, AI to many organizations, regardless of size, still may seem a little futuristic a little futuristic, um, a little bit of that, you know, kind of extreme tech. So I think that there's some education um, to to being able to use these types of tools. I would suspect that um, with the pace of innovation for some of the some of the technology providers, particularly in the TMS arena, um, enterprises are probably using AI and machine learning um, in some of their capabilities, but they may not realize it. So um, if there was some more education in the market, I would think that that number, that one in five, which is actually very good for this day and age, um, I think would probably be a little bit higher. And then also from an availability perspective, um, there are those for you know forward-looking and forward-thinking innovators um, in the space, but I think we'll see over the next you know over the next maybe two to five years that we're going to see a lot more um, software providers using this type of technology um, in their solutions, and it will become more commonplace. So I think one in five is is very good, um, and I think that we're going to see it increase. Now the reason why we want this um, this this trend to to continue and we want to see um, biz- more businesses use this because is because it can really add more strategic value in the work that they're doing. You know, we keep saying cash flows and cash for- cash flow forecasts are extremely difficult to achieve. Um, and there's so many what ifs and there's so many unknowns, right? So treasury teams, you know, they'll have to um, do different versions of their forecasts. They're constantly changing versions. Um, and if we can automate that and take out the element um, of human intervention or human error by leveraging more capabilities, um, more intelligent capabilities such as AI, such as machine learning, um, the task of creating those forecasts will, one, be easier to do. Um, 
Two, they'll be a lot more accurate. And three, they'll be able to add a lot more strategic value because the purpose of those is not just to see, you know, the now of what we're doing, but it's also to help take into consideration the future and to allow uh, companies and business to, businesses to be more predictive uh, with, with their financial management. So um, I think, again, I think it's something that we're going to see um, a big increase in and continued development in the future. And I think it's, it's very necessary as, um, as, the, as businesses mature. Richard, larger organizations have the money to invest in more advanced techniques. So is there any opportunity for small businesses to look at new industry payment initiatives such as request to pay, confirmation of pay, or in the future, enhanced data? It's a good question, Kate. You know, these payment industry-driven propositions have been um, put together by looking at business detriments and pain points with all size businesses in mind, not just the larger enterprises. And these developments will help to provide a more integrated end-to-end workflow. So request to pay links bill to payment and allows a conversation between the biller and the payer. Enhanced data ensures more useful reference data travels with the payment. You know, today, BAX only has an 18-character reference, which isn't enough for most um, payments. Now, what you can do with enhanced data is potentially carry a URL, which links to supporting documents or multiple lines of reference where you could only use one before. You could even contact, you could even have an email address as somewhere to go if you've got an issue with a particular payment. So with all those things, something else confirmation of pay does is help to ensure the payment's made into the right account and it mitigates fraud and error. So when that bill is so closely linked to the payment, this also helps to drive smarter financial analytics. So who are my good payers? Who are my late payers? Who pays partially, typically on a monthly basis? Who are the potential problem customers? And what's the adherence to terms like? Are my credit terms too generous? Are they too tight? Requests to pay and confirmation of pay are are nearly with us now. Um, Enhanced data will be with us very soon. And unfortunately, what we've seen is a very low awareness within the small business community around these payment terms, with only about 20% having heard of them. And, you know, it's the job of the whole payments industry to to make a bit more of these developments, to, to tell more customers about them. So we can do a lot as bottom line to make people aware. But, you know, this has got to come down from Pay UK and the regulators and, and the banks as well, who will be supporting these processes to tell customers about them. And finally, if we end on cash accuracy, with so many management options available to businesses, and cash flow management being such a key priority for businesses of all sizes. We'd think cash flow accuracy would be better. Almost one in two businesses have shared that their cash flow forecasts are rarely accurate. I think that's a fair statement, Kate. Um, And it's for all the things that we said um, previously, spreadsheets with lots of errors, um, disparate systems, not always having access um, to bank data or data within other areas of of the organization. Um, So I think that, you know, really what we've what, what we've been saying this whole time, using more systems um, like a TMS solution, putting better governance and workflows around payments, um, things like that will certainly help with that. And of course, future advancements such as AI and machine learning um, to really, again, take out the, the human limitations of achieving a forecast and really relying more on technology um, and intelligence through, through data will help improve those forecasts. In the future. 
I think as we've as we've mentioned, as I've tried to mention today, smaller organisations shouldn't shy away from looking at technology to help them with things like cash flow forecasting and making their cash positions more accurate. I think the there is a perception that um, treasury management systems are, are really the domain of larger corporations, and, and that's not the case. And I think some of that may be from uh, previous experience of TMS, which were delivered on site, where there was a lot of... Um, a lot of integration, but that's not the case anymore. I think that's an excellent point, Richard. When we look at previous generations of of TMS solutions, that on-premise, you know, server-based model, they were very, very expensive to install, um, very expensive to maintain. And once they were in, you had absolutely no flexibility and and you didn't have choice. Um, And they were very much a luxury item. I think today's generation of technology really is reflective of the same experiences that we see on the consumer side um, in terms of what, you know, how we access technology and how we leverage technology. And today's system built on the cloud um, does offer us a lot more of that flexibility, um, a lot more of that collaboration. But what we're seeing now is that we've gone even beyond the cloud. You know, we look to offer things like digital services that allow us to easily connect, easily integrate um, and cooperate with all of the other systems, making it very, very easy to centralize. Um, And as technology becomes more mainstream, right, and and these experiences start to mimic and converge with what we're seeing on the the consumer side, um, it passes along greater economies of scale for the providers to not only create these technologies, but also to deliver and maintain. And those economies can actually be passed along. Thanks both. That was uh, a really interesting points that you both just made. I think as cash flow becomes more important to businesses over the next 12 months, it's clear that there's an increased opportunity to manage it quicker and smarter. For any listeners wanting to read the full 2021 business payments barometer, it's available to download from bottomline.com. Unfortunately, that's all we have time for today. But in the meantime, you can listen to more episodes on all things payments at the touch of a button using your preferred provider. See you all next time. The Payments Podcast from Bottom Line Technologies.